0: I'm in position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go. <laughs> The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of an egalitarian Linux platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... Everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, the amount of money, regardless of the amount of developers, and respective sales, Well, if you have a game, and it is good, then give it time, and it will thrive. And you will be right there. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course. Features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. <laughs> uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It, it must, must run on Linux, and it must be, be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, Not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you uh, ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux on, which is Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number four hundred and sixty-four of the best Linux games podcast. be recorded for you on this, uh, Saturday, the 30th of September, the last day of September. Uh, I think, right? There's only three days, half, half September, right? Right, Ivor? Right? Right in that right, Ivor? My own flesh and a little better. Um, Crack Engineer, Ivor Molina over there in the booth, this is 2023 by the way uh, he's fired you're fired, he's holding up the whiskey sign though uh, got a little sippy sip mm. good idea that would of course make it for our sequel friends followers of the one true time and date format 2023, uh, 0930 uh, and this is uh 1800 hours uh, a little bit of change, you know, 18, how do you say that 18, 1807 hours or, yeah, has to be it's it's 6.07pm left coast, pacific coast coast with the most time um, we're breaking our format completely this week I was supposed to not even do a show this week next week, I know if I can get away with it I, I I have to go do this trip. But I couldn't get away with it this weekend. So, yeah, there are other things that are more pressing, but because I did not plan on having a show, I just spent, you know, see, you know, like, what, 900, page- 900 words a page? So, like, five pages. Like, you know, whatever. 4,500 words here. We got a cover story for you. About CS No. So, I've we're basing with the feature cut straight to the feature here we go, this is going to be I, I hope this might be interesting for some of you, there's, a, some of this is a little bit um, mathy and a little bit personal and some of the dates I'm not entirely clear on because I'm getting old, but uh it's all factual and accurate, at least in terms and, you know, I let's apply the same rules as the moth does, there's a lot of numbers in here that are um fuzzy especially in terms of the metrics that we describe but the rankings themselves are indisputable and I will go to my grave and I have people who will back me up on this um are accurate um but yeah based on the feature let's get to it Oh, we were going to talk about Vicious Assault Llama Apocalypse and Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, which came out is the DLC for Cyberpunk 2077. And we were going to also talk about how there's this weird bug right now. Well, not right now, but just for me. I don't know why this is, but um, Cyberpunk 2077 it says I've never played the game and since I have no achievements it erased all of my achievements this is kind of a theme and then I gifted a a friend who is I guess not a friend anymore I don't know, he went kind of fucking nuts and I'm like dude, like fucking chill out, you know, fucking whatever, and I don't know he looks like he of me, I don't give a fuck Um, deal with it, deal with it pink boy, you're a big boy, you're a big boy like fucking other people have other things to do you know, like the world does not revolve around you you're not the most special person in the world you know what I mean I'm sorry it sucks to have to say that but like you know you would think that someone's grown ass man would fucking understand that um but no you know some people need a reminder um but so I got him cause Wolfenstein uh the new order and the new Colossus uh we're both on sale this week, and I was like, fuck it, I'll give them to him, because he said he was, like, pretty, you know, pretty strapped for cash, and believe me, I know how that goes. Um, and so I got both of them for under 10 bucks, and I gifted them to him, and so I was like, oh, man, you know what? I really want to play Wolfenstein The New Order again, just to remember what that whole first, like, five hours is. I installed, I mean, I, I, I never I never killed the last boss in Wolfenstein: The New Order, but I knew what the ending was. Um, I did completely beat Wolfenstein to the New Colossus or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, So like it wasn't like there was any disconnect there, but I was like, oh yeah, I couldn't remember like the first you know five hours after you get out of the hospital ish of that game, and so I, 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 I. install Wolfenstein New Colossus, I had at least fucking 50 hours in that game it says I've never played it and it says I have no achievements for it I don't know what the fuck that is but that is Steam saying that I have no achievement gets for that game, which is troubling I don't know why and also it won't run on my machine for some reason I and I haven't had the time to really go into it because I've been working on the fucking novel oh yeah, by the way Here's a pro tip to anyone who wants to talk to me, don't ever fucking tell me, put that in your novel if you ever want to talk to me again. Because that's just like so fucking pejorative and insulting. Makes you sound like a real asshole. Because that's if you say that, that's what you are. Put that in your novel. Fuck you. Why don't you fucking die in a fire? Alright, so on those happy notes, but it's weird though, like, it's never... I think it happened to me one other time with one other game, but Cyberpunk 2077, we'll talk more about it. Not next week. Next week I have, if, if I do get out of town, I do have a great encore for next week. It's one of the few encores that I actually went back and listened to again. Um, and I was going to use it for today, but I'm supposed I, the schedule just did not work out for me getting out of fucking town this weekend as hard as I tried. Enough, there were too many moving parts and, uh, it just didn't happen. And, um, I don't have the money for it in all honesty. Um, it's a, it's a clock thing because it's a, the trip out to where I'm going. It's like a seven hour trip and I have to only travel during the day because the point isn't actually really the destination. It's actually the trip. I need to see the land um, you know, along the way because that's what goes in the novel. So yeah, I will put that in my novel. Um, But anyway, I've worked basically with the feature. Let's get to the point. Counter-Strike 2 was released this week and I'm going to tell you my little story about Counter Strike and why I do not play Counter Strike. It's it's a good one. It's a good yarn. I think maybe I just finished it. So like I, you know, whatever. We'll 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 play it by ear. But here we go. What do you think? Oh my God! It's Olivia! never gonna let you down, I can read your mind, this week's feature, I can't read you, I can't read you, I can read your mind, take it, spooky. Olivia! Butch Cassidy and his hole-in-the-wall gang are all dead now, but once, they ruled, ruled the Old West. So I was like nineteen years old, if I remember correctly. I, I was like around it was around nineteen ninety nine, or yeah, it had to have been around around nineteen ninety nine. It could not have been two thousand, um, because by the time the World Trade Center uh, was leveled before September eleventh, two thousand one. I'd been playing Counter-Strike for a long time, so it was around like 1999, maybe 1998 even, um, when I got a phone call from my friend Kevin it completely changed my life he knew that I was into computers and gaming and programming but he was calling me specifically that night, it was a weeknight I can't remember what night of the week it was, but um, Kevin by the way, one of the most brilliant people I've ever known in my entire fucking life, one of my four favorite people I've ever known um, and he's a Fucking, he's a genius beyond geniuses, you know, blah, intellect that dwarfs my own and, uh, the capacity for self-control, discipline that is, you know, far outstrips anything that I can. He's in my, he's in my top 10, even though I haven't, we got into an argument about, uh, 15 years ago that, uh, it just, it wasn't like that ended the friendship. It was just like, you know, we were on drastically different career paths at that point. And, uh, yeah, Kevin, if you're listening, cheers, man. Miss you, bro. Dr. Anthracite. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know as a computer game and blah, 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 but what he was calling me about specifically, at, this is like 1130 at night, and I'm broke, and I'm just recovering from... I just had a car again after... I had, I had a DUI when I was 17. I'm um, just drunk and stupid. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't crash the car or anything. I just... I was completely fucking wasted. It was one of the best things that ever ultimately happened in my life, but it set me back quite a ways. Um, and, uh, you know, the only true existentialists are in jail. I spent a lot of time in jail. Um, they made sure to deprocess me, and that was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Different story different aspect of it but I was like fully you know like out of jail and like I could drive again and I had a car um and I was not grounded and I was still living with my parents this is 1998 1999 somewhere in there but he was calling me because he knew that I knew a lot about computers because I'd been building them for like five years I've been building them at that point since I was like 14 years old I want to say um and that was at that time in nineteen, you know, 94, 90 to the to the time of the phone call was like it was a pretty really, that was a skill. It was not something that everyone knew how to do. It was not as easy as it is now. It still is a skill, but computers weren't as in vogue as it, you know, blah 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 blah. So he called me and he's like, Seth, I want to show you something. Come pick me up. Picked him up it's like 11.45 at night on, like, a Tuesday. Like, what the fuck, you know, where are we going? He's like, just go to UNLV. And I realized as he directed me, like, you know, through traffic and everything, that he he was taking me to, like, Cafe Espresso Roma, which, like, Vegas landmark is gone now. It's a parking lot. Um, right across the street from UNLV, and I'm like, dude, I've been to fucking Cafe Roma, you know, fucking whatever. Um, He's like, no, we're not going to Roma. We're going to a land cafe upstairs. And I'm like, fuck you, man. We're going to... For what? Why do I want to go to a land cafe? I was not in a land Cafes at the time. I hated them, actually. I hated the idea of them even. But they had sprouted up everywhere across the valley. I didn't even know there was one in, um, above Cafe Espresso Roma. Um... But they, like, there was one on every fucking corner uh, within like the next 18 months and Kevin was working at one on the strip and Kevin was a genius he was like I want to show you something because we're going to open a land cafe you and me now that is a different story for a different time because this is about Counter-Strike but uh as we climb the stairs you have to remember that I was on a fucking 56k Modem, dial up, and I would be for the next like fucking five or six years or more. Actually, it would be longer than that before I I filed articles for the paper on a fifty-six k fucking modem after I moved out. Now it was like fucking six years after this, so it's like nineteen ninety eight, and I'm like, what the fuck do you want to open a land cafe for? He's like, I got all these junky computers that my boss doesn't want to use at their land cafe and they're grossly undercharging and they're not realizing that there's a market for this. And I'm like, I don't realize there's a market for this. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what possible reason would I ever want to go to a land cafe? I, you know, I play, you know, online games, like play- all my life, I don't need a Land Cafe I mean, it'd be great, I always lusted after having, you know the, uh, what we call like, fucking broadband, now like, basic broadband, was a T1 connection, back then um unbelievably fast for the time, you know, it's what universities had as their hubs it cost like $3,000 a month back then if you could get one and you had to be close to an academic institution to get one which is why cyberzone was blah anyway so i'm like but why would i ever fucking want to go in here as we, you know we pulled up and we climbed the stairs and i had i'd been uh, there's been an all ages club upstairs above Cafe Roma that had failed. I can't remember what the name of it was, but I'd been to other I'd been to Slipgate, which was like a I've been to every variation of Land Cafe like three times in my life at that point um starting from the time I was 13, there was a Mech Warrior one in San Diego that was really cool, uh, I went there once for my birthday, that was really neat um, and they did you, they gave you like this whole training routine and everything um, like the whole speech like, you know, you're pilots, you know, you're going out there, and this was done by a guy in like a fucking jumpsuit belted at the waist, like fucking it was really cool, um, uh, and, and, and I was 13 and it was fucking awesome it was really expensive though but anyway, I, I so I like I had, I had nothing but negative connotations more or less for land cafes. They sucked. And I remember Slipgate which was by Cafe Copio out here in Vegas at the time. Um it it had long been gone but you know 2 years, 3 years, 4 years before this when I first could drive, I remember going to Cafe Copio I was like 17 and uh But me and Joe Jokey Monkeno, friend of the show and Jake, um used to go to Slipgate occasionally when we could afford it. It was still expensive. We used to play X Wing versus TIE Fighter there, which was amazing. And that was just six computers. And they had a pod that was cool that they made. But um, you know, just basic carpentry and fucking windows so I'm like what the fuck are we doing here as he opens this door and this wall of noise and smoke comes out it's like midnight on a Tuesday from this pitch black room with black out everything over every fucking window on the second story of um of what is now a parking Garage across from UNLV. I can't remember what the name of that little plaza was. It's damn shame. Friends of mine eventually bought, tried to save Cafe Roma, um, and bought it. And went into fucking massive carnage of debt. Um, but they kept it running. It was one, those were also wonderful times, but it was always, that's like what Vegas was like back then. Vegas never had a cafe scene because it, it's actually con, you know, you have this capitalistic fucking model for like, you know, casinos and everything in the strip. It's a commercialized fucking thing. It's not a great place to foster an art scene back then. And, uh, you know, cheers. Uh, the road to victory is paved with the corpses of the of the innocent and if we must be among them then so be it and yeah um, some of us paid that price uh, not me in particular um, but now we have like a, a pretty cool art scene and there's a cafe uh, kind of near my house that is just always slammed and it's so cool because everyone there it makes me feel weird to go there though because i'm i'm now the old guy that used to hang out at cafe roma that's how these kids see me and instead of it all being about art it's now like all about coding and stuff which is fucking so gratifying to see that there are some people out there who are fucking interested you know intellectually curious, and they have great art there, too. Um, It's a fucking great place. If you're ever in Vegas, visit Mad Hatter Coffee. It's open 24 hours a day, if you can get a seat. Um, It's on uh, 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 like Tropicana and Durango, right around there, right across the street from Desert Breeze Park, right across the opposite corner from my old bar. Anyway, so he opens his door, and it is just this wall of noise, and you couldn't see anything inside of it. This is a tiny little strip mall, fucking second-story strip mall space. I'm like, what the fuck do I want to... It's like, Counter-Strike. So I was worried about all sorts of shit because I didn't have any money. So like, don't worry, man. It's, it's, it's gonna be fine. I was also you know, very socially anxious. I didn't want to have to like, I couldn't even afford my fucking gym membership, which is like gone. It has lapsed because I was overdrawn. I had like 20 bucks in my pocket and like a pack of cigarettes. Um, and so he says Counter-Strike, I'm like, what the fuck is Counter-Strike? And I was also worried about, like, having, like, fucking I don't want to set up a membership here, because, like, all my memories of other places that I've been, like, Land Cafes uh, prior to this, were really expensive. They were, like, you know, they were, like, a dollar a minute. Literally, like, $45 for the Mech Warrior Cafe when I was 13. That was only, like, six or seven years before this. Um, Come on, Kevin said, and he leads me into this fucking den, and there are 32 workstations there's most workstations i had ever seen assembled outside of a computer lab or a corporate setting um all of them were filled place was pitch black leads me up to the counter, he's like don't worry man, the setup's gonna be fine you, simply, you just fucking gave uh, this guy and I eventually became great friends Jin, Jin Kang um, we spent a lot of time together gave him your ID, he ju- just like looked at your ID, saw that you know, your name was there and then it matched your face, didn't matter the- how old you were it was all ages smoke everywhere, ashtrays everywhere um he's like what, you know, what do you want your username to be, and I'm like, you know, whatever he's like oh, okay fine, you know, Seth whatever um, you you know, what do you want your password to be, I'm like, you know, blah, I'm like, man, how much is this gonna be, like, do I have to pay in advance, like, I don't have a lot of, and I told this to, to Jin, cause like, you know, Kevin's a genius, but I'm not sure that he's really feeling my sense of anxiety about this, um, and Jin's like, it's a dollar, I'm pretty sure it was a dollar fifty an hour, and we'll get into that in a minute, but I was like, okay, so do I, I have to pay, like, what, and do I have to, like, tell you it's like, no, 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 just you pay when you're done, after you log out come back here, and, you know, I'll tell you what you owe, and any, if, like, if it's, like, you know if you fall, like, if you, like are 20 minutes over the hour you'll pay for the full hour, but we'll credit you for the rest of the hour when you come back, next time you're here I'm like, I'm never coming back here, but anyway it was super easy and super fast and so this was how Kevin showed me Counter Strike, which was what everyone in this Land Cafe was playing. It was a mod for Half Life, and I'd, I'd, I'd already gone way back with Half Life at that point because Half Life was a touchstone for my childhood. Um, I was like thirteen or fourteen when it came out. Um, blah, but this was a this was a user, this is a community driven mod, full conversion that made. It took the Half-Life game out of single player, made it multiplayer. Two teams, terrorists and counter-terrorists, uh, with a unique match system. Like literally, the way the matches were structured was unique. If you got killed, you were out until the end of that round, and it that was that was a new thing and the game was gorgeous on these fucking awesome computers, so, so there were 32 computers all running pirated copies of Half-Life, uh, specifically specifically to run Counter-Strike, this mod um and as Kevin walked, we could only get one computer, and so right then, cause, you know there's only one computer available, so Kevin's like, oh, that's even better, let me walk you through it, so he, you know, took me over, and I know how to log into a fucking computer, I built computers, um, you know, I, like, this is not unfamiliar to me But show he showed me how to get in he you know, showed me how to join, um, the game which was also not unfamiliar to me, because I've been playing fucking multiplayer games since Quake since pirated Quake in, like, fuck, anyway, we'll get to that a little later but as he as he walked in Walking me to this computer, I'm just like amazed how many people are there. It's like a Tuesday. It's like midnight. And this place is fucking packed. There are people who are watching other people play. This place is a tiny little cramped room. And so I start doing the math in my head as he was going to show me over the shoulder the ropes of Counter-Strike, I'm like, 32, 32 computers, 32 units, you know, $1.50, that's like $40 an hour, so figure five hours, peak per 24-7, I'm like, when does this place close? It's like, oh, it's open 24-7, I'm like, what the fuck? So that's like $200 a day, like, net operating costs, basically none, outlay for the computer's extreme, um, you know, I'm like, that's like gotta be like fucking $7,000 a week, that's like fucking 24 twenty three thousand dollars a month, which is a lot of money. Divide that in half. So 12 grand a month, subtract the rent like maybe maybe three grand and like the overhead like for the counter guy, like you know that's like that's that's like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars net a year, which is a humongous amount of money. At that time, we'll talk more about that in a minute. To give you some sense of perspective, my tuition for a semester at that time—I was taking credit waivers. I was taking. I was tutoring ten hours a week. I, you know, I tutor, they pay me. Um, And I was taking uh, fifteen credits, and I was paying about uh, maybe a hundred dollars a credit. So it's like fifteen hundred a, m- a semester. So a hundred and fucking twenty-five thousand dollars a year net is a fucking what the fuck really got me to pay attention and then I'm in this game so that's like $120 okay so a pack of cigarettes back then was $3.50 gas a gallon was like under $2 you could go to a place called Blockbuster Video and rent a movie on VHS cassette DVDs were still a thing in the future. They were around, but they were they were infinitely it would take like fucking five more years before they surpassed um rentals than VHS cassettes. Which is fucking nuts. This is like the dark ages for a lot of you. You, uh, you could get a double cheeseburger, milkshake, fries, coffee at a restaurant for under ten dollars, a beer and a shot at the bar next door to uh, cafe espresso roma which you know is beneath cyberzone the big cz as i dedicated my my uh, book blue wizards about to die to them uh the boys upstairs at cz um a beer in a shot a big fucking beer like a huge beer huge beer big beer not a pint a fucking huge fucking mug of beer um, and like a double shot of Jack Daniels. That round would cost you under six dollars. And I I was I looked like I was fucking 45 when I was, you know, 17. So I I drank I could go over there this but I wouldn't go over there until about two years after my first stepping into the cyber zone. Anyway, so I had a Nokia brick phone back then. Text messaging existed, but it was not yet a thing. Windows 95 was the dominant operating system. XP had not fucking been released, nor would it be released for another two fucking years, at least. AGP had not yet been widely adopted by the gaming community as the fucking, you know, advanced graphic processors. That PCI you know, this that's the era we're talking about. Um, and I've been running Linux only for like maybe 3 years because I got into Linux in 1997 with Linux Mandrake but it was like towards the end of that year so I want to say maybe it was the end of 98 Linux had been out because I read about it in a computing magazine and I had to get my mom to write me a $40 check to send to get the fucking twenty thousand fucking CDR uh, thing, which came with a printed manual, which I still have. Um, that's how fucking broke I was, because like I mean, I was in the shit house. Like I had to walk to school because of the DUI and shit. So like I, it was, I couldn't have a job. Like I couldn't. It was fucking. It was a nightmare. It was a t- bad time for me, but also a time of great, great constructive. You know, it, it was one of the best things that happened to me in my entire life. It really helped snap me out of like, you know, fucking life of well, although I did return to it. That's like what I do now, is like, you know, this podcast. But anyway. Counter-Strike, the actual game, was absolutely amazing and was completely viral everywhere across the world. We played that night until like 6 a.m. and I was so nervous, but like at a dollar fifteen an hour um, it was totally, like, Kevin. like, oh, dude, don't worry, I got you, I'm like, no, no man, I can, I can get us both, eventually, you know, we start playing as each other, everyone else we're not just on the LAN, though, we're on a T1 connection, so, like, we are you know, jumping into, fucking IP-based, fucking, uh servers where, what we literally, there was a piece of, there was a pad at the front desk there's was, like, one pen in the entire room, which is hilarious. But, like, to matchmake, there was no fucking global matchmaking, you know? It was, it was just, like, uh, the way you used to play at Slipgate five years before, and the way I learned how to play Quake many, many years before. You had to have the IP address for the fucking... Certain, anyway. Um, and so I would, over the next five years, drag every friend, every acquaintance... S- a couple of girlfriends, anyone and everyone would end up going to CyberZone and they were all going there to play Counter-Strike with me the day after the World Trade Center towers fell this is like three years later my friend Alex and I called each other on dial-up phones and said you want to play Counter-Strike? and true to form in the spirit of the dude from the recently released film The Big Lebowski just a couple of years earlier Which I saw in the theater twice on opening day. Instead of, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. So, fuck it, let's go play some Counter Strike. Two years, two or three years after setting foot in Cyberzone for the first time, I went to pay at the counter again. And Jin, the counterman, stopped me. It's one night. It's one. It's one. You know, like it was like noon. It was like eleven o'clock, and it was like, you know. As I'm paying, and he's like, "Scooky, my man, you realize that last two years, you are the all-time leader in the hours you've booked here." Mike. I have kind of figures, but then like my whole community revolved around, you know, the CyberZone and a couple of other places um that were all in the same locale and I'm, you know, going school across the street, I'm running a publishing company I was doing all sorts of shit, it's amazing how many hours there are in the day when you're fucking you know, in your early 20s, I'm like, how many hours is it? He's like, dude, bro in two years you fucking logged over 13,000 hours here all of which have been spent playing Counter-Strike. My buddy Alex and I, Alex, also known as Sulla, also known as Sulla the Dictator, um, became obsessed with the game, and you know, we, we discovered, through our obsession with the game, a couple years after we'd been playing all the time, every day, almost every fucking day, I finished fucking Theory 1 through 4 by then, anyway, We discovered this website called the Champions Champions League Quake, the CLQ. And the CLQ was the arbiter for all stats. There were 42 million people playing Counter-Strike at that time. This was two or three years after I started playing the game. And the CLQ. Lodged became, like, a thing. I went home after Jin, you know, mentioned that to me after, like, two years. I'm like, man, that's a fucking unbelievable... I'm like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, kind of figures. I spend, like, 18 hours a day here. Because it was so cheap. Like, you knew that you could get away with, like, 30 bucks a day. You know, whatever. And I was making pretty good money from fucking tutoring. I mean, they, they fucking gave you, like... $80 Eighty dollars a fucking hour, it was like sixty bucks, and it was twenty bucks from the student. But ultimately, it came down to eighty bucks per. It was like forty bucks per hour for the tutor because the college paid for it. College paid me to tutor, so like the students didn't have to pay for it. They paid half price. I like am getting fucking making four hundred dollars a week, and by then. Almost, I want to say I, I had my my first book had come out already, but I hadn't started writing for the paper. Um, but I was about to. It was right around the same time. Then after I started writing for the paper, I had tons of money. So it was like this was like so great because it was like it kept me like right there, like right by the the anyway. So I go home one night and I'm like, well, fuck. Maybe there's some way to get stats out of Counter-Strike. And that's how I found the CLQ. Championship, Champions League Quake was the ultimate arbiter of all stats for Quake, Counter-Strike, and any other multiplayer game at the time, because there was no unified um, controlling force that uh, bound players to a system... otherwise, you know, blah and so it ran server-side, it didn't run based off of, you know your computer, it ran on any server that you went to and it was this very simple script that just fucking uh, processed the digest after every match of every game and if you kept the same username across across servers um, or variants of the username, but like it was Eventually it was just best to keep the same username. Fortunately, there was no way to do a same username without omitting a clan tag, which eventually I did. I was never I was in CZ for for like two years or whatever. But by the time I found CLQ, I was a fucking serious player, and so I just I always went by Scooky Sprite there are periods, if you go back, and I have the printouts to prove this, of, you know, Skooky the Smurf murderer sprite, Skooky the shotgun sprite, and Smurf was not a term back then, like it is now. I meant, like, killing like, fucking Smurfs, like little blue people, not like, killing people who had fake accounts where they tried to pretend that they were lesser, because that was not a problem back then. Um, so most servers were automatically because it was such a simple script and it was so well maintained on the opposite end, it just fucking, it was you know, a tiny little packet, uh, you know if anyone joined or left the game, it also sent, you know, little fucking thing to the COQ here's who's here here's who killed who, here's, you know blah, here's who quit before the end of the game here's the weapons that they killed this person with very, very small amount of data especially when you're on a T1 fucking connection you're writing like a fucking university connection um, and yeah, b- by the way, to finish the original thing about me and Kevin I was like, oh man, I, I don't want to fucking start a land cafe with you, although I did help him as much as I could uh, Put it, I evaluated those machines and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be like fucking we didn't have any money um, But we did have... I mean, we could have made a million dollars in those three years if I'd only... Like, I, I should have pressed my folks for it, but, like, they were not willing to talk to me about anything after my DUI. Like, it was, like, the biggest disgrace in the entire history of the universe, which, you know, was deserved. And they made me feel it every day for years and years and years and years. But anyway, the CLQ though, really... This is like three years into my Counter-Strike. This is shortly after September 11, 2001. So it had to be like early 2002, I want to say. So running off a simple server-side script, most servers would automatically have this installed along with their pirated... along with uh, Counter-Strike um, and they would just relay the stats and metrics for you if you kept the same handle across servers and in this way you could get detailed metrics and rankings for your stats in the game which out of all of my years prior to this was the first time that I had, the internet had finally caught up to me And you would have you you could have you could see how good you really were. Alex was Sulla. I was Skooky Sprite. We built we both those two names became known and feared not just at Cyberzone, across the fucking world. Like there were so many players at that point forty two million fucking players. Like you know you would see. A you would, if you played as much as we did, you would see people occasionally on the same servers or series of servers. But we always played different servers because you know we were we we're in T one, so it didn't matter. People sometimes we play locally, and you know other people would fucking join us at CZ if we couldn't for some reason couldn't get a find a good game or whatever. If, like there's nothing like very rarely. Um. We became two of the best players in the entire world Counter-Strike against 42 million other people. Now here we're going to go into a little bit of how the CLQ Championship League Quake actually ranked people. It was very severe and it was awesome. The global rankings for Counter-Strike on the CLQ Weren't just calculated on like a hour to hour, day to day, um, K to D ratio, kill to death ratio. The totals were calculated on a weekly basis. You could introspect to a day, like let's say you know like you had you played like fucking fifteen games, you know, in a twenty four hour period, and you wanted to see like what your projected ranking might be in reflection to what it used to be, that didn't matter, because that's like your projected ranking. It was only... The numbers were crunched every week. They were crunched weekly. And they kept track of every fucking number in between. Um, so, it wasn't just K to D. It wasn't just how many kills you had on a given hour of a day. Uh, the stats, if I remember correctly, were, were literally um calculated by the week with so many players from so many different countries, it wasn't enough for you to maintain a K to D ratio of like 6 to 1 for a 20 hour period and it wasn't possible to skate by and climb the rankings or even hold your own position against the other 42 million players by simply strategically picking matches you had to kill in volume And you had to be fucking good. What I'm saying is the CLQ's metrics were, first of all, KDD, but also volume of kills, number of matches played, how many wins you had. Those other things were also factored into this score. Now, the rankings were week to week. Meaning that your stats were never lost. But your position out of 42 million people was adjusted at the end of every week. So you're either climbing, you're staying still, or you're falling. And there was no way to get away with just being a streaky, sneaky little motherfucker, like with a KDD, like, uh, you know, I play fucking ten matches, and I I never get killed, and I killed everybody on all teams, all ten matches. I go into, like, a lot of fucking stats in this, that I don't really want to go into now, because I see it's like 45 minutes in. But, um... All you had to do to see the rankings, you could introspect them via... Page or via tier in terms of like, you know, blah so there's 42 million players, let me explain the CLQ rankings for you there's 42 million players on any given day okay, some of them are active, some of them are not whatever, and then there's some new players on the bottom if you're a brand new player, you start at you know, 42 million plus whatever player number you are, for that day doesn't matter. It just keeps track of your names and everything that you did. Who you killed with, what on which server, when, what happened in that match, did you die, who killed you, what kills you, who did you play with? You couldn't really look at the who did you play with, but if you kept the same name, all you had to do was look up Scooby Sprite, or Solo the Dictator, and you would see, across any server... It's pulled all the information from all of the servers because it was such a tiny script it didn't require any overhead it would just parrot back all the information from every round every match, every fucking if you kept the same name that was it, you didn't reserve your name it kept stats for people who never knew that there were stats being kept for them blah, but the CLQ, the Champions League Quake, was not just widely regarded, it was the arbiter for how good you were at Counter-Strike. And it had its origins in Quake. Eventually, it was, unfortunately, it's no longer around, um, but the, Anyway, we'll get into that in a, in a minute. So... The thing is, okay, you could search your player handle across the, blah, blah, blah. The weekly rankings were calculated by volume of kills for that 168 hour long, you yeah, know, that's one week, period. You could introspect your frames as in days, um, but those didn't affect your ranking. Your ranking was a concrete number from 1 to 42 million plus however many other players had played that week. There were 42 million other players of Counter-Strike. This was the peak of Counter-Strike. It was not just enough to have a K to D ratio of like nine and twenty matches. You had to outkill by volume other players because other people are coming up beneath you. So everything is weighted to the amount of kills. Not just your KDD. So, like, you could have a KDD of, like, you know, average for that week. Like, three, let's say. Which is... It was pretty good back then. It's not the greatest. Um, but let's say you played ten games. Meanwhile, there's a guy with a KDD of 1.5 who played ten times that many games that week and who killed fucking so many more people. It wasn't just KDD it was also the volume, and then there are other tie-breaking considerations, There was a lot that got factored into that equation, and it was awesome, this meant that like, people couldn't just streak, and get away with getting into, you had to week over week, climb those fucking rankings, and they were hard to climb, and they were like, the most accurate skill-based metrics System that I've ever seen that's tracking 42 million fucking deltas every fucking second of every goddamn day and then ranking them and you have a number and then you could look at you know it, it showed you limited stats like how many people you'd killed and blah 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 blah, blah and, you know but it didn't show you like you know what servers you'd been on or what you said in chat or anything like that although they easily could have done that it just showed you how many kills how many deaths um how many matches, how many matches you won so this disambiguated in a sense your stats from team stats but also kept the team stats in there you know did, did you guys win the match you might have killed everybody but did you guys win did you get to defuse the bomb after you killed the entire team yourself you know that sort of shit um, it, but it, those were not weighted Except for victories. You know, blah. How many times people killed you? Who killed you? Um, And who you killed? How many times you killed other people? Per match, per server, per every hour of the day. You'll hear me say, baby, won't you please come home? So... And then it was weighted towards the actual volume. How deadly you actually were. And that's what made the CLQ ranking so awesome it was not something you could streak at it was not something you could manipulate there was no way to game the system it was a hard concrete number how good you were against 42 million other people all the other people in the world who plays this game across all servers if they're connected to the internet they were running CLQ um 99.9% of the time because it was such a tiny script. And so none of these players are playing against each other. They're like even like if we have like three different scenarios of you know these three different players playing for one week, um they're not really playing against each other each other. Although maybe they are, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Sulla and I played against each other a lot, um, but we were best friends. And when you put both of us on a team, my god, my god, we would we would sometimes join. There's like a hundred thousand servers. We would sometimes join a server, and people would know us not because we'd been there recently, but because people have been talking about us. And you'll hear why in a moment. So in order to climb the CLQ, you not only had to have like a great K to D ratio for the entire week, for the entire week, you also had to have like fucking a bigger volume of games. The bigger the volume of information that you provided, you know, meaning like the more games you played, the more matches you played, um, that helped you climb the ranks more if you were good. If you were, it was totally skill based. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, also, people who only play in such a way as to attempt to game the system, it was impossible. What I'm trying to explain inarticulately here and, and inaccurately is that the COQ was the best and most accurate ranking for judging the true skill Individually of any given player at any given time of any video game I have ever seen in my entire life was purely democratic. 42 million people simultaneously inclusive. 24 seven. The rankings began. So like I said, at 42 million, like if you're 42,325, that means you're like the worst player in the world and went up to one. So if you, let me give you some numbers here. If on the other hand you were really good you'd be ranked in the top 5 million. That's like a great ranking for being a solid casual player at the time. That's where like serious but still non-competitive players would be ranked. In the competitive range you would be in the 2 millions out of 42 million. In the competitive and excellent range, that's the top 0.5 percentile, you'd be ranked in the 200,000s. That's point, it's a half of 1%. You are, out of 100%, you're in the half of the 1 percentile. You're in the, top, you're in the bottom half of the 1 percentile. If you're among the best and most terrifying players in the world, you're ranked in the low to medium hundreds of thousands. 135,000 and lower if you were a player who was legendarily great consistently dominant and the type of player whose name struck terror and accusations of cheating wherever you went the gathered crowd like the type of player who gathered crowds around them to watch them pummel and dominate and chew and destroy their opponents in one of the most challenging games of fucking tactical and strategic skill in a first person shooter context ever devised by human beings that's like 0.7 is 0.0016667 of 42 million. That's the percentile that you are in. If you were in the top 5 in the world out of 42 million. That percentile has an exponent attached to it that's how fucking good we were so the thing of it was to climb the rankings in the CLQ you not only had to be fucking awesome you had to be consistently awesome you couldn't just have like a good day or even a good week you had to put together these fucking weeks week after week after week and if you didn't climb the ranks you fell So to begin in the 200,000s, like that's half the top half percent, the top half of 1% of the best players in the world for longer than three months. Men, you were truly one of the best players in the entire world. That's to be in the 200,000s. I spent the majority of two years at under half of that. I was in the top 80,000. I'm going to give you the numbers out of 42 million other players I never fell below 130,000 for 2 years for 8 of those months contiguously I spent no time ranked below 50,000 for 3 months I spent ranked no not 3 months for, for uh, 6 months I spent ranked in the top 1,000 and for 2 consecutive months I was ranked in the hundreds and for 2 consecutive weeks or three consecutive weeks, I was ranked in the top 10 in the entire world. And that is really hard. It's not just like fucking who won today, it's who won the most out of this week, last week, and next week. That is fucking hard. There is no way, really, to describe how good you have to be at something to be that good at something. <laughs> and mm, and I was ranked in the top 10 for almost a month. The highest I ever ranked for a single two-week period was in the top three. I was never ranked number one but I was ranked three in the world. And that's not like just for today. That's for this week, n- last week, and next week. In the top three in the world out of 42 million other players. Spent the majority of two years, uh, yeah, spent three weeks ranked as the third best Counter-Strike player in the entire world there's like 5 billion people on the world, 42 million of them that's, that's 0.8% of the entire population, the entire world of that percentage <laughs> yeah so these numbers are more or less they're more or less factual um, the actual rankings are fucking concrete. I have printouts from the CLQ to prove it. They're somewhere here in a box, somewhere at this house. I haven't looked at them in a long time. The thing about the CLQ was, yeah, so you had to defend, so yeah, it, it would be years after I stopped playing Counter-Strike would eventually be adopted as the flagship of competitive esports, offering competitive prizes in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to individual players, and more money to teams and sponsorships, hardware manufacturers and promoters and stuff. As ever, I was ahead of my time. I, I, You know, I was. I was ahead of my time. Um, But it was not a small pool. It was 43 million people. And... I. I mean, the worst ranking while I was still playing, it was like, you know, I've been playing for a lot of years at that point. It was like six years. I was getting old. I was also playing drunk a lot. Never ranked below 130,000 for years, but I had those two years where I was really, really in my pro and you know, and yeah, yeah, you laugh at me, but. My window for those games had, you know, by the time that prizes and shit, whatever came around, my window had more or less passed. I kept playing occasionally though. So when I say when I, I was one of the best in the world at the game, I, I'm not fucking around. Eventually, so in year 2000, Valve bought the rights to the community, community developed, uh, mod, Counter Strike. Uh, it was 2000, uh, in order to cut the original creators out of, you know, blah, which is cool. They, they, they walked away millionaires, I think. Um, as they watched the explosive growth across the entire world of this mod, which spawned fucking no less than 30 businesses here in Las Vegas to say nothing of across the world, 42 million players. The game built empires of land cafe fortunes, fortunes that were fueled by predominantly the pirated copies of the Half-Life engine on which it ran this resulted in the invention of Steam which despite the revisionist bullshit history it's now being extolled by Valve um, it had its origins exclusively to solve this simple problem make every single copy of the Half-Life engine running on any individual computer, not just on a network not just in a workstation cluster not just off of one IP address not just, you know, every single fucking computer the authorized, authenticated, and fully verified, fully purchased priced, pinged to home, recognized, accounted for, and accepted legitimately purchased copy of the Half-Life engine or disavow, disallow the connective features of the game and prevent them from logging in. Steam was copy protection. That is the origin of Steam. Not as a game store, nor as a matchmaking software, not as a game community, and not as a social integration or discovery platform. The origin of Steam was copy protection. And once EA signed on, which was just like early 2002, uh, making bat- the, their Battlefield franchise, uh, they had acquired, the industry overall took note. Now back to Counter-Strike. I forever swore off, I. I forever swore off Counter Strike a few years after starting this podcast. So I started this ten years ago. This month, in three weeks, it'll be our ten year anniversary. I had enjoyed, but was infuriated by the neutered version that was the formalized reiteration that Valve put out CS:GO it lacked many of the features and robustness required to maintain a real ranking as in the CLQ and it favored arbitrary bullshit with big payouts for lesser players and lacked many many other features just because CSGO made it impossible through its attempt to through its attempt to formalize all this shit, it skewed everything and the competitive hype and the promo machines all this shit it made the game very difficult to enjoy or even to strategically climb the rankings at any in any meaningful way. It was basically fucking arbitrary. You didn't get any say over who you, you were matchmade with and it was just it was garbage. It was absolute garbage. Didn't stop me. It was, anyway. It was in short no longer a metric of real skill rather arbitrary and fairly random randomization of lower tiers of players like a dog pit in which it was impossible to climb the ranks and I was also too old to be to be a, a really great competitive player again and I didn't ever want to fucking play counter strike anymore after as this wore on when the ranks meant nothing the game for very very old players like me the game ceased to have any meaning whatsoever and as they formalized this system arbitrarily tweaking it into ways that just twisted these metrics further and further and further away from anything that represented real skill or actual value or even showed like legitimate rankings of any players in any meaningful way as they did this the cheating across the game extremely loaded in proportion to the cash payouts and the prestige and all this shit for the competitive gaming which had now become like a real legitimate thing and the cheating, this is one thing that really pisses me off they just never fucking controlled any of it, they never controlled any of it, like so they're trying to lock this down and they they can't even do it you know it, it, was tra- it It's tragic. So, they formulated the cheating grew exponentially along with the potential for the rewards or the thwarting of others from reaching said rewards. Even still, this didn't stop me from logging 700 hours in CSGO over the years. Until the final insult, I took a three month break from the game and they blanked all of my stats. They dropped every rank from me. After that, I was done for forever and the game has only become be- only become a pale parody observe, uh observant only of bullshit metrics which in and themselves are meaningless preferring the, bu- preferring the bullshit hype of pointless prizes and whatever to teams who have all the benefits and none of the pain that I once had to go through that's for sure bitter I'm not I just don't play or pay attention to counter strike I love Valve. I love Steam. I cherish my memories from, C- from Counter-Strike and even from CSGO where I made many friends over the internet. Um, and I cherish my memories of the friends and clanmates and extreme competition for like those four or five years of those early days when fought me against 42 fucking million people when the names Skooky, Sprite and Sulla were Made you think? Made you think really hard. People flew out from Hawaii to play me on the land. That's easy. Specifically to play me, and I killed them all. I beat them. I beat them on one on one. Beat them. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> and we all went out and got drunk it was wonderful <laughs> and to this day I still wonder about this one deagle shot I'm like I, I headshot this guy and I'm like that is the most amazing shot that I've ever seen in this game <laughs> and the guy was like you motherfucker I hear he's on the other computer behind me <laughs> <laughs> was it luck was it skill it was a combination of both chance favors a prepared mind and that's what counter-strike was great for um i love steam and and you know uh i used to love counter-strike i love valve um They're the reason I do this podcast. Their forward-thinking approach in terms of Valve and Steam has done wonders towards advancing the common cause of expanding the reach and influence of Linux, the world's greatest operating system ever made, and the only moral one. And their beneficence in this regard is something I will defend until I die. It's true. However, what they did after they bought out Counter-Strike and then formalized it into CSGO, A game that I not only loved, but can honestly and factually claim to have once mastered beyond the scope of any, of almost anyone's capability of understanding. Very, 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 very few people have ever or will ever come close to understanding what that level of competition against that many people Will be like, and to be that good is—it's like it's—you know—I don't know—I I don't brag—I don't—I don't talk about this shit. Anyways, the level at which I played, and it wasn't just like a fucking brief moment; it was fucking years. Well, anyway, what they did to the game itself is absolutely indefensible, and is a disgusting, monstrous, short-sighted, absolutely grotesque shame. And they made the game into a parody of itself. And they stripped all meaning from it. And to me, Counter-Strike is no more. So if you ever want to play Counter-Strike, don't ask me. Hopefully I'll see you in two weeks. Cheers! Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. The Best Linux Games Podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com.